What do you make of the reaction to the report and why do you think people are so unhappy with, or some people are so unhappy with what it's concluded? Max, so so some of the reactions were delivered before the report was published. Yeah, they said there were people saying the report was like a hatchet job and stuff before it had even come out, before they'd even read it. Dr. Tony Sewell was called a token black man before the report had even come out. Ricky, welcome back to E2 of You. Thank you for having me, Max. How have you been? Very good. You were the last guest I had on, and I've had like a six-month break, so now we're just starting where we left off, basically. Well, that's fantastic. It's not like there hasn't been an event for six months, put it that way. Well, that, okay, so we should start talking about the commission, well, basically the report which just came out, which has got loads of press. I thought it was good to get you on because me and you worked together to mm. draft um, some evidence for the Commission on Race and Ethnic Disparities, which Indeed. just kind of hit the headlines. So can you give me a breakdown yeah. of, just give me an overview, first of all, of what that report has said and then the outcry which has arisen as a result of it? Well, I mean, Max, where do you even begin when it comes to the report? Uh, I think the report in itself is a landmark report. It really breaks away, you could say, from the tired and outmoded orthodoxy surrounding racial disparities in the UK, which tend to frame socioeconomic inequalities as a direct uh, byproduct of systemic racism and institutional discrimination. It correctly points out the importance of family dynamics, uh, also talks about socioeconomic class a great deal, and importantly also talks about uh, regional inequality. Uh, The UK is one of the most interregionally imbalanced countries in the industrialised world. And even though regional inequality perhaps is not as fashionable as racial inequality, religious inequality, it is something that needs to be talked about a lot more ultimately in London. And I I do appreciate that London has some very materially deprived parts. Ultimately, it does represent an individual city region. And I do feel that our political and economic model for too long has been London centric. And there have been regions. Uh, you could say the working class provinces which voted heavily to leave the European Union, they've been starved of meaningful public and private sector investment for decades. So regional inequality is really something that the UK needs to get a firm grip of. But what's the kind of key takeaway points which the report has made, which has led to the outcry, if you could summarise it? I think that one part of the report which seemed to create a meltdown of sorts um, in identitarian leftist Twitter is it describes Britain as a model for white majority countries when it comes to uh, race relations. Uh, I, I agree to a degree in that when compared to major European countries such as France, Germany, the Netherlands, the UK outperforms those countries when it comes to providing anti-discrimination protections on the ground of race, ethnicity and religion. And the Migrant Integration Policy Index uh, for last year said that the UK has some of the strongest equality bodies in the world. Uh, But what I would say in terms of saying, is it the model, is it the gold standard, the top of the class? There are studies which show that Canada, for example, which is also a white majority, multi-ethnic country, 
it does it does fare better than Britain when it comes to public confidence in the democratic system, trust in law enforcement and civil society institutions, and cultivating a collective sense of national belonging. So that perhaps the report overstretched in that sense. But ultimately, the, the thrust of the report is that there's a myriad of social and cultural factors which feed into racial disparities. And there are internal cultural factors which can lead to negative economic outcomes. So I'll give you an example, low rates of female economic activity in Britain's Bangladeshi and Pakistani communities. That can't be solely down to anti-Muslim discrimination towards British Muslim women. It is far more complicated than that. You have to look at attitudes towards um, the role of women in British society and see whether the uh, whether there are ultra conservative gender norms which feed into those higher than usual female unemployment rates. So I'm glad that the report really tucks into those kind of issues because there's certain, there are progressive circles which are quite reluctant to do so. Yeah, so what something I've talked about loads in the show and we discuss this all the time is basically the way in which it's just so commonplace to present or to try to present essentially all disparities between any groups through the prism of it basically purely being down to racism in one form or another. But that's just like, as someone who is kind of, I can't look past basic, obvious realities mm-hmm. just to make an ideological point. It's just so blatant that that picture doesn't perfectly marry up with the idea that society, all disparities can be explained as a result of that racism. Just to mm. take one obvious example, in education, for example, mm. white working class kids are one of the worst performing groups and are outperformed by most other ethnic minority groups. Mm. Obviously, that doesn't prove that the education system is racist against white people. Like It, it just means that you might have to look at more complicated factors to explain no, absolutely. this. I, I, absolutely. And I think it, w- what's really important is that s- some of the strongest advantages one can have in British society is if they belong to a stable family unit. Yeah, A loving, caring, stable family unit is the finest form of social security. Uh, I think also belonging to a tight-knit, high-trust local community that spurs you on, takes an interest in how you're doing at school, college, university. What do you make of the reaction to the report and why do you think people are so unhappy with, or some people are so unhappy with what's included? Max, some of the reactions were delivered before the report was published. Yeah, they said there were people saying the report was like a hatchet job and stuff before it had even come out, before they'd even read it. Dr. Tony Sewell was called a token black man before the report had even come out. I know, that is crazy. um, I, I think that have there's you seen the abuse that some people are getting though? It, it, the, like, have you seen like yeah? The, 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 there's been a great deal of racially inspired abuse, particularly towards the commissioners. Uh, like Mercy Maroki, you see, 90% of the commissioners are non-white. I think it's nine out of ten. Yeah, um, I, I think it's disgraceful. I think there has been a normalisation of left-wing bigotry. We've talked about this. I think we talked about this six months ago, and I think it's only intensified, especially after the you know after the report was published. Uh, I think in terms of in terms of explaining the reaction, Max, uh, I guess the, the anti-racist movement has that tradition of cultivating a pan-minority solidarity uh, in a sense that some of those notions of a shared black resistance. Now, 
that very quickly, and it, and it has those roots in ideas of political blackness. All of it falls apart when one black ethnic group is considerably more satisfied and has higher levels of trust in public institutions than another black ethnic group. Uh, when compared with people of black Caribbean origin, people of black African origin are more likely to be satisfied with how democracy functions in the UK. They're more likely to have trust in public institutions such as their local police force. They're more likely to have a positive view of race relations. So in a, in a sense, there are those efforts to try, oh no, you can't, it's almost like there's a hostility towards that disaggregation because it undermines those notions of political blackness, which are very popular in certain elements of the identitarian left. But it also seems to me like, I mean, it's just blatant anyway. I mean, I've been talking about this for years, but the whole idea that like, it's, so basically it's become that worldview has become the, the idea that basically everything has to be first and mm. foremost explained through the prism of institutional racism or mm. some form of structural racism or the individual racism of white actors, for example, or the internalized racism of ethnic minority actors, whatever it is, is basically everything has to be explained mm. almost in a univariate manner. And it's just down to racism or sexism if it's to do with gender. I, I, I think the term univariate is absolutely fantastic. I mean, but, I think it's, but the, the point is that ultimately how it is. Exactly. It? But, but the whole point in, is that inequality the, equals discrimination. But they will. It's like a religion, though, in the sense that you. Oh yeah. So it's cultish. It's cultish. Criticizing the idea that it's Mm. only univariate, as in, or that it's completely Mm. must be explained primarily through that prism, when there are other factors which are obviously of salient factors. But as soon as you challenge it with, so what this report has done, I'm not. I mean, I'm not saying the report is perfect at all. I'm just saying it's funny that if there's a bunch of people who put in a lot of effort who are quite specialized in this field and present a lot of statistical considered data showing mm. okay there are obviously flaws in this really myopic focus on just institutional racism Absolutely. and actually it doesn't maybe carry the weight which you think instead of reflecting and thinking okay this is another perspective which we should at least take into account because it might actually help minority groups if we think about the real mm. problems it's just like you're challenging the dogma so you're just going to get basically painted as a heretic and get any level of abuse like tony Saul was compared by a cambridge academic to Goebbels. yeah yeah and it's like it's just like challenge i just think it's so religious and as someone who is initially like against religious dogma i just view this in a similar way it doesn't mean i don't think racism is an issue and that is made in the point a point in the report is like yeah racism is still an issue mm-hmm. and institutional racism might still operate in some ways but it's just not as salient as everyone thinks and as soon as you make that point they're just basically a heretic yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, institutional wokeism is, is, is a bit, that's probably a big problem in the UK, if truth be told. Uh, I think th- there's been a number of myths which have been shattered by the report, and that simplistic uh, inequalities equals discrimination paradigm. Simplistic and reductionist are the two terms that I'd really describe that. I, I think, as you say, the reactions to the report, they have been bordering on the hysterical. Much of it has been racially inspired abuse. And it, and if truth be told, I, I, we almost in this country, we have an identitarian grievance industrial complex where people make a very sound living by presenting fundamentally warped presentations of British society and its public institutions. So perhaps the reactions is driven by the fact that their financial preservation is at stake uh, based uh, uh, following the report's findings. 
And uh, much of it really has been gutter level commentary. We can't get away from that. I also have criticism of the report. I think that the report doesn't give enough attention to Britain's rapidly growing mixed race population. And there's very, there's very unique problems within the mixed race population, particularly people of um, black, white parentage, when it comes to family breakdown, rates of family breakdown are especially high uh, among mixed race uh, people uh, in terms of mixed race people are especially more likely to report having an unstable family life during their childhood. Um, there's also issues surrounding um, bullying among peers. So mixed race people, they get it from both sides in a sense, and that, that can almost fuel an identity crisis, or they feel that it undermines their sense of belonging. Uh, these are very important issues, which I think they should have been tackled more strongly in the report, considering that mixed race people are the fastest growing section of the British population. I know that this was also a report on race and ethnic disparities, but I did feel that religious discrimination was missing somewhat, if truth be told. Yeah. Uh, if you just allow me to explain, we live in a society now, and it doesn't please me to say this, being a British Muslim myself, uh, one in, uh, around one in five Brits have an unfavourable view of Muslims as a, as a religious group. Now, th that, that form of anti-Muslim prejudice, that can have an impact in the labour market and when it comes to the private rented sector for housing. Um, so... The point I make is that anti-Muslim prejudice can have a disproportionate impact on particular ethnic groups, particularly Britain's sizable Pakistani and Bangladeshi origin communities, also people of Middle Eastern origin, North African origin, people of Somali heritage as well. So believe me, that there are things that, that, that there are things that were overlooked. In my view, there are blind spots, but perhaps that can um, that can be explored in further detail further down the road uh so that there are things that you know there are things in the report that i feel could be could have been bolstered yeah you could say but all in all the thrust of the report which was there are a myriad of social and cultural factors at play when it when it comes to the production of ethnic and racial disparities is one that was made strongly and it was much needed yeah so all right, we're going to we're meant to be trying to keep this short. So I want to ask <laughs> one more question, which is, sure. well, I'll probably end up being more than one question. But basically, something which just stresses me out so much in general, mm. actually talking about this, is I really don't like or want to talk about anything to do with racial groups, or I really don't mm. like talking about that. And there's such a successful, it's so successful how you are painted as, deliberately racializing discussion when you push back against obvious inaccuracies in mm. the arguments being made by the other side. And it's a really successful way of making me or other people who are making this point feel bad about even discussing the stuff. Um, and I think that's something which has happened with the report, which is the report makes the point basically that there obviously are issues with racism in mm. the sense that there is bigotry and you'll probably come across it in, at some point in your life, you're a minority. Um, and that should be addressed and that there are different structural factors which do affect different groups in different mm. ways. And that in some ways, maybe institutional racism does operate in certain circumstances, for example. Well, I'm mm. not saying that that's exactly what the report says. You know, that's basically some of the points they're trying to make. But it's just not to the extent that we're constantly told it is in media coverage and in public discussion. 
Um, and I think it's really key to make that point to people who might not be that familiar with this debate, which is when you're when people push back against that narrative, they're not making the point that racism isn't an issue or that there aren't certain disadvantages faced by groups. They're just making the point that this really narrow focus on those issues as explanatory for all different disparities is mm. misleading. And there's a, there's a really subtle distinction and it's important to make that, I think. I think so. I think the the debate it has too many denialists and obsessives. The denialists uh, are in the business of saying that there is no racism in the UK. They want to, you know, they, they want to dismiss any claims of racism. Then you have the obsessives who ultimately they view any form of inequality, the existence of any disparity. They want to they want to blame racism as a sole driver of those disparities and inequalities what we need to do really we need to sideline the denialists and the obsessives uh the report itself says that racism remains a real force in the uk so to label the report as racist which i've seen some people do is is it it puzzles me a great deal i think ultimately there's a lot more work to be done when it comes to strengthening equality of opportunity in the uk because i think the fairness should be at the heart of the british promise for people of all um ethnicities and faiths and i ultimately feel that it is a step in the right direction i think if you want to create a more socially cohesive more democratically satisfied society you really need to recognize where the problems lie when it whether it whether it is political disaffection um poorer educational outcomes uh a lack of economic progress so I think all in all, as I said, the report is a step in the right direction. I think disaggregating, crudely homogenizing acronyms is definitely uh, a positive step. I'd make this final point. The, the, the white mainstream is far from homogenous and being, and, uh, being a monolithic block. There's yeah. a great deal of cultural diversity there. But I just a very interesting t- statistic. The people of white Irish origin make a full five pounds more an hour than white British workers. Really? Yeah. So again, my migratory background might come into it. Yeah. I'd also say that um, communities of Irish Catholic origin, very strong emphasis on education. They really do see education as the route to future economic um, success, irrespective of the affluence. Um, yeah. Of, you know, how internally stratified the Irish Catholic communities are in the UK. Um, so th- th- those kind of things need to be discussed. And ultimately, this myth of white privilege, and it is a myth, it really is, it's a pseudo-intellectual theory, which all too often is presented as fact. It misses the undeniable reality that one of the most disadvantaged groups, uh, which suffer from extremely high rates of family instability, poor educational outcomes, and high levels of criminal justice involvement, are white gypsy and traveler communities. And that doesn't get talked about very much. And I'll tell you what, there's not much privilege in those communities either. So I think all in all, report, it it emphasises the importance of disaggregation. It clearly fleshes out the fact that there are a range of social and cultural factors which contribute towards racial and ethnic disparities in the UK. And I think that it will act as 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 a nice foundation for future research, which is committed to data driven analysis. Uh, in the spirit of creating a more socially cohesive and democratically stable UK. Yeah, that's great. That's a good conclusion. Let's leave it there then. But before before you go, 
first of all, I need to say, because I always forget this, if you're listening to this as a podcast, can you give this a good, or if you get the time, give this a good rating if you liked it in a review, because that helps people find it. And if you're watching this on YouTube, it's available as a podcast. So you can just look up on any podcast app on Spotify, on iTunes, and it'll come up. So you can listen to it there. Mm-hmm. Um, and also don't forget to subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. And then, Ricky, where can people find well, you? Where can online? people find me? Um, well, Twitter, at R-A-K-I-B-E-H-S-A-N. Straightforward there. I've also got my personal website. If you type in Dr. Rakibasan, that should pop up somewhere on Google search. Uh, but ultimately, follow me on Twitter is good because I post, uh, I tweet out all my articles and my uh, expert knowledge on matters of race and identity. So, yeah, if people want to follow my work, that'd be the best way to go about it. Mm-hmm.